Welcome to the sermon podcast of Exodus Church, located in Belmont, North Carolina. For more information about our church and the many ways you can be involved, please go to our website at theexoduschurch.org or email us at info at theexoduschurch.org. All right, guys, if you'll turn, take your Bible and turn to James 3. That's where we're going to be today. James chapter 3. We've been in this series in James where he's calling us to a true and living faith. And James has been trying to press that into every part of our lives in chapters 1 and 2. And in chapter 3, he gets to perhaps the most difficult part of our lives to press true and living faith into. And that would be our tongues, our communication. And James wants us to display true and living faith in how we communicate with one another. Now, uh, the running joke early in our history as a church was that any time we would come to a passage like this, uh, I would ask Nathan to preach it. Um, I don't know that that's exactly true, but I do know that he preached this passage in 2013. So I texted him this week to see if he wanted to preach it again, and he did not respond. So I'll be preaching today. Uh, but I'm going to read James 3, 1 through 12, then I'll pray and we'll jump into God's word. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who will, who teach will be judged with a greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body and setting on fire the course of life, uh, the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Let's pray together. Lord, um, even just reading this passage, uh, we can feel the weight of conviction from it. Um, we, We are all very much aware of our shortcomings as it relates to this passage. So Lord, would you um, guide us into your word today? Would you convict us of our sin? And would you comfort us with your grace? It's not gonna be hard for us to be convicted of this passage, Lord, but we do need to be comforted by your grace today. Grace to forgive and grace to empower for obedience. Lord, we need your grace today as we look at this passage. And Father, you know, you know every story, you know every, the story of everyone listening to this, you know the story of everyone uh, gathered here. Father, would you speak into our hearts in a way that only you can so that we leave this place more like Jesus than when we came? 
We leave this time more like Jesus than when we came. We want that, Lord. We need that. And so we ask for it in the strong name of Christ. Amen. Now, in the passage, James is using the tongue to talk about all of our communication. And he wants us to remember that our words matter. And he starts the passage focusing on people who teach God's word. He says in verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Now, he's talking about people who do what I do here, like on a Sunday. People who teach and preach the Bible. And James wants us to understand. He wants pastors to remember that every time we stand before the people of God and open the word of God, we place ourselves under the judgment of God every time. And he says it's a stricter judgment than the kind of judgment I'll get for the rest of the words I'll speak today. And so I, I, I want you to know and understand that weight because when I go home on a Sunday, I'm very concerned with how I've served you. But I'm far more concerned with how I've served God. And that's a weight that pastors carry. And so as you think about praying for Nathan in this next part of his journey, as he steps into this role on a more regular basis, it gives you an idea of how to pray for him. Pray for him as he prepares. Pray for him as he preaches. Pray for him on Sunday afternoon and Monday morning when he's rehearsing and remembering every word and every mistake. And pray for him as he feels the weight of this verse in a new and different way. James wants pastors to remember that every time we stand before the people of God and open the word of God, we place ourselves under the judgment of God every time. But James turns quickly from those who are doing that to the rest of us, and he's talking to us about our communication, and we find that we are commanded to do something in this passage that we are incapable of doing. We are commanded to do something we cannot do. And in the passage, we're going to see two things. We're going to see the power of the tongue and the problem of the tongue. Let's start with power. Okay, the power of the tongue. James is using tongue to refer to all our communication, spoken and written. So when we talk to someone or when we text someone, and those are not the same, okay? Talking is not texting. It's not the same. Uh, when we send an email or answer something on social media, whatever, however we are communicating, James is speaking into that, and he wants us to understand that our words matter. And so he starts with some word pictures in verse 2. He says, for we all stumble in many ways, true, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. So James uses this if to speak about a perfect man. It's a, it's a, a hypothetical situation. There's only been one of these men in all of human history, and his name is Jesus. He lived a perfect life, and he died a death in our place for our sin, okay? And then he talks about these other two word pictures. He talks about a, a bridle that goes in the mouths of horses, this small thing that directs a very large animal, and then he talks about a rudder, a very small thing related to the size of a boat or a ship. He talks about this very small thing that directs the path of a boat. And what he wants us to understand is that our words have tremendous power to direct our lives. That's what he wants us to understand. 
And then he talks about some of the damage that our words can do. Look at verse five. He says, so also the tongue is a small member, uh, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set upon among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. He wants us to understand that it has tremendous power to direct our lives like a bit or a rudder, and it can do considerable damage like a fire. I mean, you've read about the California wildfires and how they were started by a gender, some, some of them were started by a gender reveal party, like a small spark, huge fire. That's what he wants us to understand about the tongue. He wants us to see that our words have tremendous power to direct the course of our lives and do considerable damage. Now, what's included in our words? Okay, well, our words are broken down into two pieces, what we communicate and how we communicate, okay? What we communicate is easy. That's the content of our communication. It's what we say, and, and maybe we could ask some questions about what we say. We could ask the question, is it true? We could ask, is it timely? Because if you say a true thing and it's not a timely, in, 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 in a way that is not timely, the true thing is not helpful, okay? Another question we could ask, is it helpful and is it honoring? Because we can say helpful things in dishonoring ways and they're no longer helpful. Or we can try to be so honoring that we're not helpful. So we need to think about what we are communicating, the content of our communication. Um, in a former life, I was a youth pastor, and one time uh, some of the guys in my youth ministry decided they would roll my yard. And this was pre-COVID when you can find toilet paper real easy, and they did. They found a lot of it, okay? They're grown men who are members of this church now. All right. So um, back in the day, man, they did great. I was real proud of them. They lit it up in my yard. And, and I was out there with my small children, Stephen, uh, with my small children. Uh, we were gathering up all the stuff that was on the ground. We had a little pile. And then somebody told me, if you just light the bottom of the, the stuff in the tree, it'll just burn up the tree. So I did. So I turn around and something from the tree had fallen down into the pile of toilet paper in my yard and it had started a fire. So I'm trying to stomp it out, and my boys are out there with me, and I said, TJ, I need you to go inside. Tell mommy I need water. And so I'm out there stomping it out, trying not to burn down Gastonia, and my wife comes out with me a bottle of water. <laughs> and he, he had done exactly what I said, and she had heard exactly what I said. We need to think about what we communicate. Second thing is we need to think about how we communicate because only 10% of our communication is what we're communicating. If you've never seen Hitch, I don't know what you're doing with your life, okay? But at the beginning of that movie, the main character says, 60% of our communication is nonverbal, 30% of it is our tone. So that means only 10% of what you're saying is coming out of your mouth. And so when we think about our nonverbals, how we, um, how we look when we're communicating. I got in trouble all the time for my face growing up. My mom would say, don't say that to me. I'd say, I didn't say anything. Oh, yeah, yes, you did. And, and my face, and even to this day, like if I'm not really aware of what my face is saying, you will know what I'm thinking, and that won't be good for either of us, okay? 
So I have to be aware of my nonverbals. Tone. Tone matters in our communication. How are you doing? Fine. Well, that's not true. Like, <laughs> if someone's, and, uh, or, or how about this? Sure, it's not a problem if we don't get each other Christmas presents this year. You know? Uh, or how about when, a, when your little baby girl comes up and says, Daddy, do you like my dress? And while you're flipping through your phone, you respond with, sure, sweetie. Well, your sure, sweetie, has been overcome by the other 90% of you not paying attention to her. And what she wanted was not a yes to the dress. What she wanted was her daddy's attention, love, and care. And so our words, how, what we communicate and how we communicate, have tremendous power to direct the course of our life and do considerable damage. That's why I say all the time, texting is not talking. It's not. Like, texting's great for exchanging information. If you need to say, I'm going to be five minutes late, if you need to say, I love you, if you need to say something that's informative, text away. But if you are in an argument, stop texting. Please, please. He said that because he's a counselor, okay? I'm not joking. That's why he said that. Please don't do it. If you are arguing over text, you are setting the world on fire. That's what you're doing. Please, please. Now, James wants us to understand our words matter. What we communicate, how we communicate has tremendous power to direct our lives and do considerable damage. That's the power of the tongue. Second, the problem of the tongue. Look at verse seven. He gives us two problems with the tongue. The first one is it's uncontrollable. Look at verse seven. James writes, for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. No one can tame it, he says. No one can. It is a restless evil. It never takes a nap. It it never takes a break. It is restless evil, full of deadly poison. Do you hear how uncontrollable this thing is? Now, I want us to understand James is calling us to obey a command we are incapable of obeying. He is calling us to obey something we are incapable of doing. And I want you to understand that's true about every type of sin in the Bible. We are commanded to do what, apart from Jesus, we cannot do. Now, in that moment, we don't get to say, well, if I'm inclined to it, I'm going to do it. I don't care what God's word says and remain a faithful Christian. I, I mean, I'm kind of put together to let my, my mouth burn the world down. I really am. And, and, but I don't get to say, because I'm put together that way, I'm going to just let the world go, you know, get burned all over. I have to, as a faithful Christian, go, God, I'm commanded to do this. I can't do this. I need your grace to do this. It's true about James 3. It's true about the rest of the Bible. Just because we're inclined to do something doesn't mean we're allowed to do something and and remain a faithful Christian. Now, we're going to get to how later, but for now, I want us to understand that we are commanded to do something we're incapable of doing in this passage. Second problem with the tongue is that it reveals our heart. 
It reveals our heart. Look at verse 9. James says, with it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the image of, in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. The other problem with the tongue is it reveals our heart. What's coming out of our mouth, what comes out of our communication reveals what's going on in our heart. It shows that. James wants us to understand, listen, our words have tremendous power to direct the course of our life and do considerable damage. And then he wants us to understand that we are called to obey something we cannot obey. Then he drops the mic in James 3. Well, thank you, James. Like it's your words can get, can direct the course of your life and do considerable damage and you're called to do something you can't do. Selah is what he does. There's no hope at the end of James 3, 1 through 12. There's hope in James. We just got to find it and we will, okay? We will. But first, in thinking about how we apply this, the first one is we need to heed what this passage is saying. We need to understand our words have tremendous power to direct the course of our life and do considerable damage. We need to understand that. We need to understand that about what we say to ourselves. Okay. Now, we talk to ourselves all the time, all the time. Paul Tripp says this, no one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you as much as you talk to yourself. People laugh at that statement, but I'm really quite serious. You're in an unending, incredibly important conversation with your soul every moment of every day. So when you're processing failure, you're talking to yourself. When you're processing success, you're talking to yourself. When you're processing anxiety or your appearance, you're talking to yourself. And so what we say to ourselves has tremendous power to direct the course of our life or do considerable damage. It really does. One of my best, one of the best examples of this is in Psalm 42. In that Psalm, the writer uh, says this, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Now he's not real. That's a rhetorical question. He's not looking to get into a debate. What he's trying to say, he's trying to call out what's happening. And so he responds with truth. He responds with hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So when, when the psalmist understands that his soul is cast down, he speaks truth to himself. Because what we say to ourselves matters, has tremendous power to direct the course of our life or do considerable damage. Now, we also need to understand that what we say in public spaces matters. What we say in public spaces matters. It, it matters because it has tremendous power to direct the course of our life or do considerable damage. So how you respond to your boss at work, how you respond to the server at the restaurant when they get your order wrong. Do you go full Karen or, or do you, are you patient and kind? What do you do? How you respond to an email, how you respond to a text, how you post on social media. One of the most challenging things about our time is that we have platforms where we can say in public what we would never say in person. We can say things publicly that we would never say it if we were sitting across the table from somebody. 
And those things are now on public record. And they have tremendous power to direct the future of your life and do considerable damage. What we say in public spaces matters. Finally, what we say in private places matters. There's something about the four walls of our home. There's something about the four walls of our home where we finally release all the tension that we're feeling. We finally let down. And that also sometimes equates to we let the fire burn. And we say whatever we want to say in whatever way we want to say it in the context of our home. And we need to understand, we need to understand that the words we use in private places have tremendous power to direct the course of our life or do considerable damage. So husbands and wives, the way you speak to one another has tremendous power to do damage. And the reason it has tremendous power, husbands and wives, is because you know the places that hurt most and you know exactly how to zing it. You know exactly how to zing it. And our words matter. Now listen, that doesn't mean we can't say honest things. We need to say honest things. But we must do that in an honoring way. Because the way we speak to one another as husband and wife matters. The way parents speak to their children matters. Parents, we are creating things in our kids every time we speak to them. I remember several years ago, my son, it's been more than several, but when he first started reading the Bible on his own and really thinking about it, he was reading Ephesians 6. And he brought his Bible to me and he said, Dad, did you know this verse was here? And it was, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Because I taught him verse four. They knew children obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. They knew verse four, and he just wanted to make sure that I knew that verse three was there. I said, buddy, I know, I know, and I'm sorry for all the ways I failed at it, and I'm doing my best. Parents, the way we speak to our children matters. Paul says in Ephesians 4, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up. Now, sometimes building up means telling them the truth. This is not about everybody gets a trophy. This is not about everybody's awesome. This is not about everybody's great, okay? Everybody's not great. But this does mean that what we say needs to build them up, not tear them down. And I have to apologize so often, three times this week, okay? Kids, how you speak to your parents matters. Kiddos. You, your parents are not your peers. They are not your friends. They are your parents. And the Bible is very clear that you are to honor them. And you never get a pass. You never get a pass on honoring your parents. There's coming a day when you don't have to obey them. You know when that is? When they don't pay your bills anymore. I'm not joking. If your parents are paying your bills, you better be obeying them. But there's coming a day when you will be out of their home, thanks be to God, and you will be paying your own bills, okay? But you will never have the opportunity to dishonor your parents. My mom is 72 years old. I don't get to dishonor her. I don't get to dishonor her, and you don't get to dishonor your parents. How we speak to one another matters. Kids, brothers and sisters, how you speak to one another matters. I was talking to my kids this week after a forest fire had been set off in my house. 
And I looked at one of my kids and I said, look, how do you want to relate to them 20 years from now? What do you want your relationship to be like 20 years from now? Oh, no. Yes, you do. Do you want them? Do you want to be friends? Do you want to like each other? Do you want to spend Thanksgiving and Christmas together? Like, Do you want that? Yeah. Well, then don't set off forest fires in our house. The way we speak to one another matters. It matters. We need to understand that the words we say in private places, they matter. They have tremendous power to direct the course of our lives and do considerable damage. And it may be that lunch today needs to be your family saying, hey, hey guys, look, how have we tried to burn our house down? And how do we not do that? How do we not do that? And maybe mom, dad, your, your first thing is, hey, guys, how have I spoken to you in a way that wasn't helpful? And then you listen to kids. And then kids, you listen to mom and dad. How we speak in private places matters. It matters. Now, James wants us to hear this loud and clear. But remember, he, he just dropped the mic on us. Like, your words matter. You can't help it. Selah. Like, what, what's the answer to this then? If I can't obey what I'm being called to do, what do I do? Well, here's the good news from the book of James. That there is a word that is more powerful than our words. There is a word that's more powerful than our words. Again, the saddest part of the passage is that James calls us to do something that he tells us we cannot do. Look at verse eight. He says, but no human being can tame the tongue. He doesn't say no one will. (laughs) He says no one can. No one can. And so what do we do? What do we do? The good news of the book of James is that there is a word that is more powerful than our words. In James 1.21, James 1.21, reread this. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. This implanted word, I've told you already several times. We're gonna keep saying this over and over through the book of James. Because in James, this idea of the implanted word is picking up on some Old Testament imagery for conversion for what happens when we become a Christian. See, what James is talking about here is how we repent. We first repent. It says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wigs. The first step, the first step in this word being more powerful than our words is for us to come to God and say, you know what? There's some filthiness and wickedness that's in my heart that's coming out of my mouth. And I say, God, it's wrong. It's opposed to you and your word. It's sin. That's the first step. Second step is to receive the implanted word. And this implanted word is picking up on some Old Testament imagery where God, by his grace, reaches into our hearts, takes out a heart of stone, puts in a heart of flesh, and puts his spirit in us and writes his spirit on our hearts so that we obey all that God is calling us to do. And so when we see in his words something we know we cannot do, we run to him and say, God, I need you. My only hope, my only hope for this is you. Like I have no other hope. My only hope to do what I cannot do is for God's implanted word to do it through me. And so that's why we don't leave this passage hopeless 
We can leave a passage like this filled with hope, saying to God, God, I have no idea how you're going to overcome this filthiness and wickedness in my heart coming out of my mouth. I have no idea how you're going to do it, but I know you can. Because this implanted word has already lived a perfect life. And he's already died a death on the cross in my place for my sin. He's already rose victorious from the grave. And he's already promised that if I trust him, he'll forgive me. He'll, by his spirit, will live in me and through me so that I obey all that he's called me to do. And so we need to heed this passage. We need to know that our words have tremendous power to direct our lives and to cause terrible damage. And then we need to understand that though we are incapable of doing this on our own, apart from Christ, we, um, apart from Christ, that in Christ, in Christ, we can obey his word. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How we use our communication would be a great place to apply that verse. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for this, this reality that we are called to do something we cannot do. And that reminds us that we have to depend on you for it. So Lord Jesus, thank you for dying in our place to forgive us for our sin. Thank you for rising from the grave and then living in us through the spirit so that we can obey this word. Lord, I know I'm confident. I'm confident that we are experiencing the conviction of this passage. We're experiencing the reality and the reminder that our words matter, that they have tremendous power. And Lord, we're experiencing the reality that we can't fix this on our own. So Lord, would you comfort us with your grace? Please remind us of your grace every moment of every day as we face this, this fire that burns in us. Lord, we need you. We want to live lives that honor you. We want to live lives of true and living faith. So help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.